Hey y'all and welcome to the hashtag truth challenge podcast where I talk about the whole truth and nothing but the truth in regards to young adulthood relationships and mental health. I am joined here again by my friends from the last podcast, Josiah and William. We're missing Mikey. He had to work, but we're going to keep the show going. So today um, we're kind of switching it up. I was gearing everything towards mental health, which this is kind of because it's all about your perspective and mindset on the topic but we're going to talk about pretty much like social injustice racism ahmad which was killed a few weeks ago he was chased down by some caucasians in the neighborhood that he was jogging in and as well as george floyd who was just killed this week um essentially police brutality which is more just like murder at this point and i sent a post on trauma porn and i want the guys to kind of expound upon their thoughts on trauma porn and what it is doing in their minds or their thought process is it necessary is it a problem is it bringing awareness and all that jazz william you up first honey Can you hear me? Yep. Um, I watched the video that you sent. How do you pronounce her name? Is it Chica? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, I watched it. I watched it a couple times. And I, it's something that really resonated with me, actually, because I have gotten to the point where I don't watch these videos anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I go out of my way to not watch them. As soon as I, as soon as I hear about another incident that has happened... Mm -hmm. The first thing I say is I ain't trying to see the video right. because I can't unsee it mm -hmm. and I know how it affects me because yeah. there's things that I've seen on social media that I wish I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, traumatic things, you know? Yeah. And what she was saying, I felt like, you know, I felt like it was real and I mm -hmm. felt like she was... I never heard anybody say that. It is it's mm -hmm. different because it's like it's she's taken I guess she's taken a different approach where she's shedding light on the fact that we become desensitized to it, but at right. the same time it's so traumatic to the point where it's not good for us to see that. And then yeah. what are people's motives behind posting it? Are you just doing this for clout? You right. need you want, you know, followers or whatever so you're just going to post this. You yeah. know, it's, it's different things. Um, so I felt where she was coming from. Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah, I think that, I think that for most of us, like you said, we see something so much that we become desensitized to it. I know for me, like you said, like you see something and you try not to watch it. Or if I see whatever video it is one time through, I want that to be the last and only time because I feel like for the most part, some people are trying to bring awareness and it's like, you need to see the gruesomeness of this crime to understand how uncivilized and foul it is. You know what I'm saying? But then at the same time, like you're saying, it's getting to the point where it's just being passed around like popular porn videos right mm -hmm. and i think for me in this past couple of days it's been really emotional to keep seeing like i couldn't imagine if y'all or my dad was going viral on the internet losing his yeah, life yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. like that that hurts and so i can only think about what his family feels i can i just i can't wrap my mind around the fact that there are some people that still think it's okay and despite these type of videos going viral they still lack understanding to the depth of the pain that it causes to people of color and especially like I said, like our black men, like I was just telling Josiah before we started recording that I think about 
when y'all go running and y'all post y'all morning run with the miles and I see y'all are going to work out at whatever gym or wherever you are. And literally every time I see a post like that, I'm afraid because it's like, I don't want anything to happen to my friends. Like I, I care about y'all. I love y'all and y'all be minding y'all business. You know what I'm saying? You working out and you running, just trying to be a better person. And I know for some people, you know, working out clears your mind it clears your headspace mm -hmm. and imagine doing that and then boom you dead and then you going viral mm -hmm. on the internet dead like yeah that's so crazy to me josiah what are your yeah. thoughts um so when it comes to trauma porn when i looked at the video uh i took down some notes and this is just for your listeners and viewers that don't understand what trauma porn may be so trauma porn is basically sharing one's death and black folks get railed up off of what they just seen in that video. Mm. Um, now, um, I'm going to go from my own experience. Honestly, I watched the video five times by myself. Mm. And then I watched it three more times with my grandfather. Mm. And then it's back on the news again. So I probably already watched it about 10, 12 times already. Right. Um, and when I see these videos, honestly, man, I'm speechless. I don't say nothing. Mm -hmm. I just examine everything that's going on, everybody in the video, and examine the brother that's being just being killed, mm -hmm. uh, honestly. And when I repost, and I and I understand where, where the girl was coming from about the you know she's tired of all the trauma porn and everything everything like that. Mm -hmm. When I post something, especially when it's something like this, it's like I'm reposting this because this hit it home to me. Right. Like this is hurting me as a person. You understand what I'm saying? And like I and it's for awareness. Mm -hmm. I feel like people see pe people see actions, but they don't see intentions. Right. And I wish we, we could as people see intentions sometimes. You understand? Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I feel like some people some people may be doing it for followers. I don't know what followers you can be getting out of this. Because, right. granted, I don't get no followers just from posting, like, the tragedy. Come on. Yeah. But um, I post it because it's like, like you said, it's like, dang, it's like one, it's another one. Like, I need people to be aware. I tell you, immediately after I saw that video, I made a post saying, and whatever black male it reached, I said, black men, listen, you are loved, you are appreciated, you are this, you are that. Like, I love you. I don't even know you, but as a black man, I love you, honestly. Yeah. Honestly. So when I see videos like that, it is home, but it's also a numbing feeling. Yeah. I can say that. It's definitely, I'm like, because it's like, it is like, dang, there's another one. But watching this one, for some odd reason, this one was like, in my heart heavier than, uh, and maybe because I'm a 25 year old man now. Mm -hmm. I'm a man now. Yeah. When you know, when other when when others died, you know, before this instance, um, I was 18, 17, 19, still trying to figure out what a man actually is. You understand right. what I'm saying? And a black man at that, right? Hold on. What a man is, what a black man is, and what it is to be a black man in America. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So I'm you like. I think that's why I'm actually fully grown now, and it's like this one, like this one, took my heart. Yeah. So, um, I post for the awareness mm -hmm. for the brothers. If this hit me like this, I can only imagine how it's gonna hit y'all. Yeah. And hopefully, we can get together more, like. Mm -hmm. And do not even do yeah do something about it. You right. understand what I'm saying? Like I post for it so we can be here for one another. Yeah, that's what I post for. Yeah. So I understand where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, the young lady that posted you know about the trauma point, she said stop posting it. And granted, I agree with her and I don't agree with her because when it comes to what you view on Instagram, before you can even see that video, Instagram has a consent before mm. you view. Right. Honestly. Yeah. And two, you can't really tell people what they can and what they cannot post on their Instagram. Right. I know it's traumatizing, but people deal with stuff the way they deal with it, honestly. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And I'm just looking at I'm I'm looking at humanity instead of just you know just as looking at as a black African American male. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, Will you can chime in? So yeah, so one of the things that she pointed out was instead of post, she she was really pinpointing on like posting a person's final moments, mm. like their final moments on this earth. That was really what she was saying. So she's like, you know, cause she was saying a lot of people be like, oh, but if I had never seen the video, I would never know. But she's like, well, no, that's not true. Because if you saw the news story, you would know. She's right. saying, you know, you can, you can look at their picture, you know, the story of their life, learn about them. And at the point she's trying to make is we're, people are constantly sharing this video of a person's like dying moments and, yeah. and they don't even really know who the person is. Mm-hmm. Now with us, like, yes, it's, it affects us, um, you know, as black people, black men, but she's speaking with everybody mm-hmm. and she's saying that it's like, we can honor these people without making them, uh, one of the terms she used was a slogan. She says their names are just basically starting to become slogans at this point. Right. Um, and I also understand that you touched on, you can't see the people, you said something, you mentioned intentions. Uh, right. People see the action, but they can't see the intentions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point because you just, you made that point clear. Mm-hmm. You, you said why you posted it, how many times you watched it, why you watched it, how it made you feel. Mm-hmm. And I And I really, I get that. And that's the unfortunate thing, though, is that you don't know everybody's intentions. Right. And unfortunately, everybody's intentions are not uh, the right intentions. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, I. it's a, yeah, I feel you, though. Yeah, I think that, again, um, piggybacking off what Josiah said about intentions of, you know, why you're watching it. Um, and like you said in the definition, is it being watched just to get a rise out of us, uh, a reaction out of us for all us to, you know, respond the same way in the outrage that we have been? Or are we really watching it to inform ourselves of what's happening? Are, am I processing what I'm seeing? Like you said, am I looking at not just the man that's dying in the video, but the police officer or the bystanders or who's ever in the background or the voice of the person that's recording because even that in itself is so emotional to hear someone begging to stop killing somebody. <laughs> like, please get off of him or please let him go. Like he already said he can't breathe. He And it's so crazy because that's not the first time that we've heard that particular thing i can't breathe like wasn't eric gardner saying the same thing like it's like what what do we have to say or do to live essentially like at one point do you say to yourself okay this person is actually dying pleading for their life they're not joking just to get out of handcuffs or to get out of trouble they are physically in pain and it's not it's not helping what I'm doing right now so like I said you know I watched that video over and over time after time after time Mm -hmm. me even being in the military you know they teach us a lot of things uh, protocols the way to go about certain situations all that stuff Mm-hmm. Um, looking at that officer, man, and I'm going to say this, and it's my view and my perspective, I think he was trying to kill that man. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And I haven't watched any, I haven't said this about any other, 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 other killings, mm-hmm. but this one right here, I think he was, I personally think he was trying to kill him. Yeah. That man was detained. He was in handcuffs. He is not a threat, no harm to you anymore. And I'm pretty sure as an officer, there there is a uh, protocol after you have someone detained. Yeah. Like, if it, if it ain't, then it need to be, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And so, and, and, and I was talking to somebody about, um, 
like at, at like after someone's detained, like there is no no more like roughing somebody up this and this because he can't hurt you no more. Right. When he's detained, that lets you know that he cannot hurt you anymore. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that means you have an advantage. Yeah. And you gonna have that advantage with your gun or without it. Right. Period. Yeah. So there was there was there was no need for him to be sitting on his neck. Yeah. There's no need for that. Right. You sit on his neck, man. That's that man. That's his neck. Yeah. And why are you sitting on him? Yeah. Like what like I don't I don't understand that part. The cuffs are doing a job for you. That's why you got cuffs. Yeah. Yeah. Like why are you sitting on him? I like I didn't even understand that. Why are you sitting on him? Yeah. If he get up and run, he can't go far. You need honestly you need your arms do more work than your legs when you run. Right. Yeah. You you need your arms to run. So if he run, he's not gonna get far. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like we need um if there ain't a policy, it needs to be a policy. I don't know what they teaching them at the police academy, but it needs to be a policy. Also and oh I'm sorry, go ahead, William. No, you can finish. Oh. Okay, and also, you know, this, this is my last thing. And I hope I'm not, you know, segueing here. But, you know, I see something, I'm going to shoot it. So, honestly, I started thinking about solutions. You understand what I'm saying? When I see stuff like this, I'm thinking about solutions, right? And in my mind, I'm thinking, what if we just had segregated law enforcement yeah <laughs> let the black cops control the black community yeah white white cops we, we sorry we don't trust y'all and it's not safe y'all it's not safe for y'all to come in these communities i'm telling you that right now it's yeah. not safe so yeah. my thing is is it better for us to be segregated when it comes to dealing with the the police yeah um real quick i think that i saw a post and it said um forced unity is not really unity meaning that white people have never liked us ever uh from the moment that they were done using us for our physique and they could no longer physically control us they was like y'all can get out so with that narrative that mindset that thought process passed down whether it is conscious or unconscious because i believe that to a certain extent some white people don't even know that they're racist because they're not blatantly racist you know what i'm saying so to some extent we've passed down this whole ideology of black people just not being worthy of life not being wanted in the communities not being wanted whether it's in your job uh in your community because if you think about it say for instance when we low-key start coming up as black people and we start moving into nice neighborhoods all the white people left the neighborhood and it was just us black people like i i know specifically certain areas back in flint where my mom would say this used to be a real nice neighborhood uh you know white people used to live over here and then you know the black people we start becoming middle class and now it's the hood so if you never wanted us anywhere in the first place like you're saying why not just have everything segregated like that makes the most sense but white people are so justified in what they're doing that they will never admit that they want us to be back segregated they want to play the good people you know what i'm saying i'm gonna say something real quick william before you you know before you go because to me it touched on something she said something talking about segregation um i think i've been telling y'all this since college and i told y'all i think y'all probably was like, that'd be stupid but i told y'all bro economically black folks were better segregated mm -hmm. yeah then integrated with yeah. white folks mm -hmm. and i'm gonna and i'm gonna say it again till today 
Yeah. We are stronger. We were stronger. Yeah. When we were segregated. Mm -hmm. Because we had our own. Right. We had our own bus companies, railroad companies, anything. We had, we had finest nightclubs. People wanted to come to what, what we had. Right. Let's not forget about Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Where they said the, the dollars circulated 36 to 1. That means every black business owner on that block was touching was touching some bread. Right. The black Wall Street, everybody was touching bread. Mm -hmm. And we put that on our own. Right. And what happened? They burnt it down. That, I believe that was the first city in America to be burned down by aircraft. Mm. Wow. I bomb. Know. Actually bomb. Yeah, they say it was it was bombed down. Wow. For what? We not bothering y'all. We just trying to look, we just trying to touch our pay. We, we we just trying to get paid. We trying to make money. We trying to provide for our families. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 we trying and this is the best way we know how to do it. So we created our own because let's be let's be honest, y'all didn't give us y'all didn't give us a fair a fair part of the deal after slavery. Right. One acre and a mule. Right. I tell you this much for sure. I feel like if if every black person would have got that one acre in the mule, there would be three times as much more billionaires and generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like, but that's that's, that's all I'm gonna say about that. All right, Will, go ahead. I saw something on social media on Instagram couple days ago i don't know how true it is but it was a, it was a thought that stuck with me somebody posted you know how people post screenshots from twitter mm -hmm. and they were like the stimulus checks that everybody just got is proof that they could have given us our reparations our slavery so reparations. true so true so that just made me think of that um yeah. but i was gonna hit on something y'all hit on a few things um um hold on y'all okay. talked about the the um the white neighborhoods and that reminded mm -hmm. me of my grandparents um when my grandparents they were living in the 60s and 70s they lived in atlanta before they moved to daytona and my grandfather was the president at the time he was the president of um, itc the interdenominational theological center mm -hmm. and they had they were buying a new house and they were getting a new president's home and so they moved to a place called Cascade Heights, I think is the name of it. Okay. And it was if it was basically like where all the white people live in their nice houses and everything. Still kind of nice today. Mm -hmm. But my mom told me that sure enough, when they moved in, my grandmother found the house. She picked the house and it was nice. When they moved in, all them white people left. Yeah. My mom told me that. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to also kind of go back a little bit to when we first started out because I know um, Tamia was saying that you know you had talked about us exercising yeah. and our runs and everything how we run like you know we run in the, I run in the morning a lot right um, and to be honest I haven't run in probably like two weeks mm. and partially it, it at first it wasn't because of Ahmad mm -hmm. um but it did become that it it's because here's the thing that has always been in the back of my head mm -hmm. every time I, I the the city i live in now um is a city it's called it's called weston it's a it's a suburb in fort outside of fort lauderdale in broward county mm -hmm. and it's another you know you know kind of uppity right, right. kind of you know caucasian affluent Caucasian, yeah, I don't know if I can say that, but yeah, you know, bougie, all of that, whatever. Caucasian. There's a lot of Caucasian people. Yeah. So my thing is, I already, I remember how uncomfortable I was when we first moved into where I am right now, simply because of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I remember how nervous I was to exercise and to even go outside the gates of my, um, my neighborhood simply because i'm like i wonder like how are people I, I am i'm minding my own business i'm trying to i'm trying to to lose weight trying to stay healthy uh physically and mentally right and you know exercise is the way to do that but i was nervous i'm just like what if somebody you just never know so um i need to get back out and run but i will say it's been kind of hard and yeah. then see, we have a park down the street where there's a track. I feel more comfortable on the track because at least it's like, I go through this whole process in my mind. It's like, well, how would I look? Mm 
in this scenario. Right. I look more normal, for lack of better words, more explainable, running mm-hmm. on a designated track than I would running on a sidewalk. And it's, it gets nervous. And then mm-hmm. you think about, and how do you go further into it? It's just, it's, it's really a scary thing. And it's funny how, or sad, excuse me, not funny, it's sad how real it is. Yeah. Um, to really be living it, you know, it really does affect you. And 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 as a man, as a black man, mm-hmm. these are the things that we kind of you don't really know what the solution is, right? Um, yeah. So I just wanted to share that uh, exercise, and even though I can do more than run, run is running is something that I I enjoy doing. But you now it's just like you just never know. You got to watch your back. You know, you got to. I've always been that way, mm-hmm. but now it just, it gets worse. It gets, it's just one of the things that keeps getting worse. Right. Truly. Um, and William, I kind of agree with you more. And I didn't even notice this until you asked me this question. I went running and this was like a week ago. I'm in Georgia, man, actually. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I know I'm mod and everything like that. So I'm running. When I first of all, when I run, it is a stress reliever for me, and I love running in new places because mm-hmm. I just like to, while I'm running, I just like to look at the trees, looking at birds, and all of that stuff, and I'm just running. You understand what I'm saying? Right. It just gives me a great feeling on the inside, running in new places. Mm-hmm. So I'm at my grandmother's house, and she stayed, you know, some black people, very wealthy spot, like mm-hmm. with some white folks. Uh, and I didn't realize till today, when I was running, I'm watching cars. And I'm watching people go by me and I'm checking over my shoulder mm. just to make sure that they walk far enough. Right. So I know there was no threat behind me. Mm-hmm. I'm literally doing that. I, I cannot make this up. Yeah. And I just I just remember myself doing that because I was I was running a new neighborhood, actually. And they're building some new houses and everything like that. And these houses that they when I look at that, guess what I'm thinking about? I'm, I'm like, dang, they said, well, he before he got shot, went into like some house that was just being made or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, let me not walk, let me not run too close over there before they start thinking something. And we should not be living that way mm-hmm. when we've been living this way, honestly. Right. Now that's why I say black people are the strongest people on this freaking earth, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. To be hurt the way we've been hurt and still be surviving and still going on and still making moves, like we're strong. But like when I exercise, when I go running, like it, it is definitely tough. Like mm-hmm. I just, and I just keep looking over my shoulder. And I think at one point I was thinking because the road, it was the road was getting so small between the sidewalk and the actual road. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, bro, I hope a white person just don't hit me just because they, you know, you understand what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Just because they see a black person running. Right. Take off. That's the stuff I'm thinking about, though. It comes to my mind while I'm, while I'm running, man. Yeah. I'm doing this for my health. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I like to do it. Right. But this is the, like it, it's, this is stuff that's going on through my mind as I'm running. Yeah, um, I think that what you're describing is something that is pretty much like in chains or in slavery in our minds, right? Because we can't truly be free doing anything. Like, like you're saying, like you can't enjoy nature and God's creation and you know the trees and the birds and the breeze and the view because somebody might just come and run me over just because they don't like me in their neighborhood or I might match the description of a certain criminal or they feel like just because I am black I am a criminal you know what I'm saying so it's like we don't have any choice and it's like really habitual because it's like you try to be free, right? You know, we woke, quote unquote, and all this stuff. And we're we're doing things, like you said, bigger and better. Black people, that's just what we do. But then when scenarios like this happen, we become enslaved again because then you, you can't enjoy anything. Like William said, like, I really don't even go on my runs no more because it's just like, bruh like what what's what's going on like i'm i'm fearing for my life i'm fearing for you know my family or whatever it may be but i think that the most important thing that we all can do now which 
for me, I know is important is allowing myself to feel the feeling of what's happening. Like it's no longer just somebody else's story. It's just no longer a random black man that's dying. Like this is somebody in my community. This could be my father. This could be my cousins. This could be one of y'all and countless other black men that I see on their stories posts daily. Y'all love to screenshot how many miles y'all ran in the morning. And then in the back of my mind, I'm just like, but somebody died though. Like you need to don't, don't do that. Don't please don't. Cause it's, it's scary. It's really scary. Like it could be anybody. It's not just poor black people. It's not just esteemed and achieved black people. It's the whole spectrum of us. So who's safe? Who is safe? Nobody. Nobody's safe. Nobody's exempt. Nobody is disqualified from this quote-unquote police brutality. And I heard someone putting that in quotes and they were saying like, bro, it's not even police brutality. It's just murder at this point. Like you're just killing somebody for the sake of killing. Like just like how they come up with terms black on black crime. We don't say white on white crime. We don't say Asian on Asian crime. We don't say Mexican on Mexican crime. They make up stuff to keep us in bondage. So like, what I guess the question now is, and I think y'all kind of started to answer this, is what what can we actively do or what things are you doing personally to make a difference? And that could be in your community or it could just be something personal that you may want to pass down to your children. Um, I'm going to go first. Well, personally, what I'm doing now, and it, it starts with you yourself, um, Realizing how important legacy is. Mm -hmm. Realizing how important it is for you to be a black man and teach your kids all the right things. Right. Realizing, like, I have to be accountable, change, make myself better as a black male. Mm -hmm. So I can push on to my family the right, you know, right things. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's what all this is showing me, honestly. Mm -hmm. like, every time I see a black man die, I'm like, well, look. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have me about four or five kids. I'm going to teach them everything, right? I'm going to show them this. I'm going to show them they're not going to kill us all. They, right. they will not. I, I, refuse, I refuse to let that happen. Um, secondly, like I said, another solution can be um, let's segregate the law enforcement. Put the black cops in the black communities. Keep the white cops in the white communities. And I, I just want to see it for, for experiment purposes. Mm -hmm. um, just to see what the rates will be yeah. crime rates all that stuff mm -hmm. all that stuff um and i think another thing is that black men need to come together more yeah. i feel like we're definitely segregated amongst ourselves mm -hmm. um and we i just feel like we're not as together as we should be or as we used to be because mm. um, I feel like once we all get together and we start like, you know, getting, you know, getting stuff down on paper, making moves, they, they, they not going, mm -hmm. they can't, they can't F with us. Mm. Honestly, this, I feel like the strongest thing, one of the strongest things on this earth is a black man. Yeah. An educated one at that. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm mm -hmm. not even talking about systematically, institutionally educated. I'm talking about, you know, about his own history as well. You understand right. what I'm saying? So yeah um yeah i mean i mean those are my little you know my three little tablets william you can chime in oh my bad <laughs> oh, i'm still muted i muted you. i unmuted okay. you um when you asked the question about like you said solution like what's a solution or where do we go from here mm -hmm. one of the things i've thought about was 9 11 mm -hmm. and the reason, I guess the reason I thought about it is because you would have really thought that people were going to be just living in fear now. Right. Um, but fast forward 19 years later and, you know, life went on. And I think the right. point I'm making is at the, I have to be careful. I want to word this properly, but I think at the end of the day, uh, 
I guess we find a way to move on. Oh, that's what I want to say. At the end of the day, we won't live in fear. I think it's important to not live in fear. Right. That's the point I'm trying to make. Um, and 9-11, like I said, is an example of that. Like people still flew on planes mm -hmm. and, you know, life went on. So I think that's one thing I can say is to not live in fear. Mm -hmm. However, it still hits home because these are normal people. These are regular people like us living yeah. a, a regular life and you know they didn't know that mm -hmm. that that was going to be their last day and to be honest that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from yeah and i try to get out of that cycle of thinking because if i keep whenever i'm thinking like that i use like i'll never enjoy life mm -hmm. because i'm so anxious of like what might happen today right you know but that's one thing i can say is to just do our very best to not live in fear mm -hmm. um and to another thing that I really felt was to just do your best to just be a good person. Right. Be a good person, live a, a, a good life as best as you can, do the best you can, be a kind person, mm -hmm. you know? Um, because I've learned that character can take you a lot of places too. Yeah. And when I say take you places, I don't necessarily mean to get something or whatever, but I mean mm -hmm. like when, when, I guess I'm just saying, like, if somebody knows what you're about, then it makes it hard for somebody to make up something about you. Right. You know? Right. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah. Because, um, like, we we don't know Ahmad that well, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, at all. Right. And... I haven't, I don't really know too much about him at all uh, myself because I haven't looked at any news stories or anything. All I know is that what happened, he got shot in the house. He was going through the house and he was running and he got shot by the, the people and citizens arrest or whatever happened. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't know him, you know, right. but let's say, let's say a cop tried to say, tried to lie on him, mm -hmm. but you got a whole bunch of people like, no, I know him. Right. He ain't even like that. He wouldn't do that. I think that's the point I'm kind of trying to make. Right. So those are two things I would say. Mm -hmm. um, just try our best not to live in fear mm -hmm. and to just do our best to live the best life we can. Right. Um, and this is going to transition us into uh, the last question. So you, you talked about character and integrity and basically uh, like you can't blame this person or frame this person or create create this idea for this person because i know them from a b c and d and if a multitude of people are saying that it creates a totally different different narrative to make the the act that has happened seem even more unjust because the person was so integral so this is gonna like i said transition into the next question about you all's personal experience with any type of racism but specifically on what you said william i know that for me and i'm not just gonna say it's just because of me but i know that in my last job that i worked with when i first started there once again i was the only black girl so me coming from an hbcu i made sure that when i started this job i did what i was supposed to do I worked hard, I bring the positivity, I bring good energy. And that I believe created a narrative for more black people to get hired where I worked at. So when people looked at the applications and they saw, you know, Bethune Cookman, or, you know, maybe they saw a name that was a little bit more ethnic, you know what I'm saying? Then they yeah. saw, wait a minute, this is also Tamia. And she does such a great job. We love her. She's fun. She works hard. Let's also hire people like this because they're great. Mm -hmm. And then in turn, leaving that job, it was pretty 50-50 to where I started out as the only black girl. Now, had I gone in there and was quote-unquote ratchet or ghetto, uh, didn't have good character, integrity, didn't do what I was supposed to do, didn't work well with people. Yeah, it would have created something totally different, and it probably still would have been a very white-dominated 
position or job or facility. So even now where I work at being one of the only black girls, it's only me and one other girl. I'm thinking now, how can I actively change the narrative and get more people that look like me? Because even with everything going on, you know, I was so emotional. Like last night, I'm, I'm crying. I woke up this morning. From the moment I got to work and walked in the door, I was still crying. And I was sad. And I like missed my old job because I'm like, I don't have anybody to relate to here. Like, they're not going to understand why, why I'm sad. Like, they might be sympathetic about it but they're not going to be empathetic about it because they they never can because they just it's an experience that they never had and they will never be able to understand it so they will not understand my frustration my pain my anger my sadness so now i feel even more excluded and i feel alone and then thinking of i don't know if y'all saw the picture i posted of uh the police officer that had um his knee on uh, George's neck, there was a picture of him in a Make America White Again hat. And so now I'm thinking, which one of y'all in here got one of them hats at home? Because you can be polite and you can be nice and you can be cordial and you can be supportive as a coworker, but I really don't know what you think about me at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like. I was telling Josiah in the handbook, it says something about oily hair. I'm like, that's how I know y'all are so ignorant because my hair needs to be moisturized. And if I come in and my hair is glistening because it needs to be, and you feel some type of way talking about some go home and wash your hair, I, I listen, I'm going to sure lose that job that day. But I, I want to feel more comfortable and I want to open up discussions that probably wouldn't happen if I wasn't there. So I think that in this time, it's important for us to um, speak up in ways that we can, um, intervene in ways that we can, big or small. Uh, it's always important to be aware of your surroundings and, and you know, just understanding the little things that feel racist you know what i'm saying because white people they just being white <laughs> i don't know how to explain. like they're literally just being them white they're white caucasian selves so what are some experiences you all have had that were either blatantly racist uh or had a racist undertone or you was just like bruh they trying to kill me <laughs> uh... I don't, I, and I, to be honest, I probably have been in a situation like that, but mm. I just looked over it. Mm. You feel know I me? Mean? Yeah. Um, probably happened when I was young, but I, as of as of recently, I don't know. If, I mean, I can I can tell you as being in the army, like you know, they just accepted people with dreads in the army. Wow. Like, bro, it's people here, bro. Yeah. Like, it's certain styles you can't even wear in the army. You know, when when uh, I think it was called the Rich Homie Quan cut. Mm -hmm. I didn't used to like let their grow in there, like the curling sponge and all that stuff like that. Like, yeah, you mm -hmm. can't do that stuff in the army. Like, even if, yeah, it's just, it don't look the part, I guess you can say. But that's mm -hmm. like part of our culture in a way, man. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I can't blatantly say somebody came up to me because I don't have some interaction with some white folks where it was like, wow, that he is a well mannered young man. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, actually, I had this white lady. She needed help with something one day. I'm running. So I'm like, oh, what I was doing? And she had like, she was trying to move this couch or something like that. And I would say, man, we need some help. And she said, you know what? Yes, I do. She came over there and then I helped her. I threw, threw the couch away. And she said, you, you said, you know what, sir? She said, I don't care what people say. She said, there are a lot of black men that are so well-mannered and so this and so that you understand what i'm saying so yeah i had i i don't had you know instances yeah. like that but i don't i don't know if i blatantly had a like oh get out of town you you know yeah. n-i-g-g-e-r you feel me like i ain't i don't think so there's probably been some white folks when they see me they probably get terrified i don't know what they think right if i've been some white folks around me where it's like i ask them for help and they're like oh no we got it but they probably think i might be stealing or trying to steal you understand what i'm saying so i don't know right. um, but yeah as far as 
Blatantly, no. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to how we live and go about our lives, the advantages white folks have over black folks, yes. Right. I, I felt right. good economical, socioeconomical racism. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to share this one story and I'm going I'm to, you know, be quiet. Um, so this guy, he was like, hey, you know, he, he got black people together, he got white people together. Put him in a field, right? And he said, hey, I'm going to give you all this $100. So if I can get to this $100 first, you know, you can have it. It's yours, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But he said, before we do that, I'm going to ask you a specific set of questions. And he said, if it pertains to you, you step forward. Right. First question was, oh, how many of you grew up with both parents in the household? Most majority of the black people stayed in, one, in that one spot. Right. Then he asked them. How many people, you know, you didn't have to struggle? Mm-hmm. Boom, step up. How many of you got into college or got this scholarship or got into a program, not because you were athletic, just because your people knew somebody or your people could pay for your education? Right. Boom, more people stepped up. Mm-hmm. So now you got this big old field where mostly all the black folks are in the back. Right. Most of the white people are up front. Mm-hmm. And he asked more questions. And so the dude basically said, he was like, if y'all don't think, systematic um oppression oppression is real like look at it right now this is a image of what it looks like and he said i guarantee you i'm gonna put this 100 dollars down he said i guarantee you that if you didn't have the head start no he said matter of fact even with your head start right now in this field i guarantee you some of these black people will catch you and beat you to this hundred dollars and it was a literal image of how we how it is yeah and it's like they had the big advantage and then he, and then he dropped a hundred dollars right mm-hmm. he said go yeah i'm black them black boys was ready they was on the hunt to go get it's like and this come that the least the stigma of black people are lazy stop right. it right we're not lazy yeah we, we might be tired of trying but mm-hmm. we're not lazy boy we built america chill out yeah you can't build america if you're lazy Ooh, yeah you can't like yeah. chill out with all that like black people black folks ain't lazy we are tired Mm-hmm. But it, there are some black folks out here like myself, like Tamia, like Wooden, that go, we going to defy the odds and we have the opportunity to defy the odds. But white folks, they still got that advantage. Yeah. But I, I thank God my parents love me enough mm-hmm. to put food on the table every night, to instill, go get your education, go get your education. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I'm just thankful for, for that. Yeah. You thankful for a disadvantage? Come on, boy. Right. You t- yeah. That's that's a different that's, that's a different type of grind when you are thankful for a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thankful that my parents just cared enough. Mm-hmm. I'm still at a disadvantage, but I'm still gonna try and make something out of this. Right. Come on, like I, I just I, and I, that I feel the racism institutionally. I'm sorry, what you say, bro? Nah, I was gonna say that disadvantage is is it's really it's a it's a negative thing that will turn out to be a good thing if if the person lets it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. just like like when somebody falls remember i told you at that i was at the football game and the little i saw that little kid fall and he already fell so his mom knew she couldn't do anything but all she knew was that's okay just just get up she's and i remember she said she said it builds character I was right there, and I'm like, yeah. "Wow, yeah, that was a visual representation. Like you knew you couldn't stop, you couldn't, you couldn't stop him from falling. It already happened." She was right. like, "Just pick yourself up. It builds character." And she said that to a child, a yeah. three year old, however old he was. Yeah, I'm like, "Wow, that's awesome." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, continue. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll be. This baby said, "Ass of me." And uh, and it's like another thing is this: when it comes to institutional systematic racism, right? Let's look at this, right? For some odd reason, growing up, we always thought that white was better. We are. I mean, I mean, I thought that. I thought they were smarter than us. Oh yeah. I, yeah be honest, did. let me say, I got to college, right? I was in the Air Force ROTC program, and me and this dude somehow got on the subject of classes and the classes he was taking and the stuff he was learning. So I started thinking, I said, bro, you taking the same classes as me, the same material and everything like that. So I started thinking, I said, yo, education don't change. Two plus two going to always equal four, mm-hmm. no matter what. It's always going to equal four. But what has happened is that 
college is more so about networking and the people that came from there. It's not mm-hmm. about the education. Right. It's not about that. It's about the, the network. Mm-hmm. That's why they put Harvard and all that stuff up there because it's the people that came through Harvard. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because they were smarter than us. Right. Well, no. I, 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 like, and that's when that. But you tell me I was a sophomore in the tenth, not tenth grade, a sophomore in college until I realized that. Right. I'm, I'm on my way to to adulthood. I'm, I'm like 18, 19 years old. Like, yeah. And I'm just now realizing, like, dang, they learn the same thing we learn. They not better. Come on, though. And it's not like it's not like oh. I was like, oh, he's a white man, so he's automatically better than me. It's my subconscious thought. Mm-hmm. It's what I think subconsciously that is right. like. Mm-hmm. For some odd reason, we just thought they were better. You understand what I'm saying? But they not, man. Yeah. They are, they are not. So, and it's yeah. what you've been made to believe too. I think that that may even that may even fall under the terms of gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when I learned what gaslighting was, and people, it, 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 gaslighting for people who don't know is basically just manipulating somebody else into um, questioning their own sanity. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways of doing it, and people, did we lose them? Um. I don't know, maybe, oh, no, he back. Okay, he back. But yeah, like, I feel like there's different ways of doing it. Um, like, when people have trauma, I feel like, I feel like it gets done to black people a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, for, and this, though, this doesn't work anymore, I still feel like for, for somebody to say, well, all lives matter, it's like, no, like, that, you're missing the point, but you're trying mm-hmm. to manipulate me. Right. And feel and make me feel bad for saying Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's I. It's just I thought it's a lot of gaslighting and it's in a, in, a, in a lot of different forms. Yeah. And I way, think the best way to combat that is to know, you know, know who we are. What'd you say? I agree. You know what the crazy thing about it is? Let me tell y'all, man. And I, I learned this through clinical mental health. Every time a black people got together and made a movement. Caucasians were there to, I guess you can say, counter the movement. Bro, <laughs> the civil rights movement helped white women more than help black people. Mm. Honestly. Like y'all, y'all I promise you, read read it in the books, bro. When 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 they was doing civil civil rights movements and everything like that, they were also doing what? Fighting for women's rights. Because mm. women's like, oh, we gonna we gonna get off this look with them. You feel me? Oh, if they about to get a piece of the pot, mm. hey, we gonna get some too. And no white women trying to get equality in the workplace. Right. I, I can't make this up. It's in the books, man. Mm-hmm. And this, and, then once, and again, if you don't, I learned this out of HBCU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is why I promote HBCUs. Yeah. This is this yeah, the type of stuff you learn by conversation. Right. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying they literally teaching us this, this stuff that's gonna pop up in conversation when you're looking at history. Right. We're looking at history. We're looking at history of mental, of clinical mental health. We're not looking at the history of black people. We're looking at the history of clinical mental health. Yeah. And these movements started are, are in our textbooks. They started to arise, mm-hmm. and now we're talking. And, and now we're in class talking and debating like, oh, they don't, they don't, they don't came off of this. You understand right. what I'm saying? The civil rights yeah. movement has helped more white Caucasian women than black people. Period. And that's what they do. Once mm-hmm. we come up with something, they ride in the tail. White people ain't doing, bro. They ride away. Bro, they've they been doing it from the beginning, bro. Yeah. They don't originate nothing. They don't, they don't I'm sorry, y'all. I'm getting too passionate and everything. No. <laughs> they don't, no. excuse me. And it's not all white people. Y'all know, and, and people, whoever is listening to this podcast, y'all know who I'm talking about. Right. It's not all white people. It's not. It's, it's the ones that, that take, mm-hmm. and they've been mm-hmm. taking. Yeah. Right. And that goes back that goes back to the beginning, just even how we got to this country in the first place. And I think that's what that's that's one of the things that is really makes it a lot worse when it comes to uh Caucasian people. Mm-hmm. Once again, not all, but then just in the history of them and their mentality and what their thought process is the fact that to 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 add insult to injury, you gonna drag us from our homeland involuntarily. Mm-hmm. And then when you bring us here, then you say you don't want us here. You know, we slaves, we we cattle, we not human. Mm-hmm. Um, then slavery 
gets abolished, but it never really went away. It just now it's grown into racism and right. Jim Crow, you know, as time goes on. And I think about that a lot. I'm like, y'all can't even y'all can't even take responsibility right. for that. You and that that's one thing that blows my mind to this day because there are hard down racist, you know, Caucasian people, mm-hmm. and it's like y'all realize. We didn't ask to be y'all talking about go home, this and that. You know what I'm saying? Like go you home. brought <laughs> That's yeah. so crazy. It's it's funny that we're uh getting to the topic of school because I was wondering when um you know, we all went to a HBCU and I think that we've all had a certain experience um just with our culture going to an HBCU. So my question is, like Josiah said, there are certain things that I learned in college that I never knew ever about African-American history from on a psychological standpoint, white people specifically coming up with intelligence tests that were in favor of Caucasian children. And then, like you said, us still surpassing them, but then you rigging it to still make us look stupid. Um, So things like that. So now that you're in like the real world, I guess what I'm asking is like, is it a culture shock from being in a place where you're somewhat safe? You know, it's all black people. We ain't really got to worry about nobody being racist because we all the same. You know, we're all learning the same information. And, you know, we're woke now because we have all this new information. But we still haven't experienced it yet because we're in an HBCU and we're all supporting one another. So now that we're in the real world and we're having these interactions, is it a culture shock for you? Like when things happen to you personally or you see things in the media, are you just like... Damn, like for real, like this really what we on, or is it like a man? I, I been knew this what y'all was talking about. I'm gonna give you a prime example. So I am an officer, I'm a second lieutenant in the military. Um, in the army, you are exposed to a lot of cultures, predominantly the white culture. Mm. So in the army, once you, you you know we do these trainings together. And the, the people you do your training with, they call it your squad, right? Mm-hmm. They give you a leadership position and everything like that. And they do something called peer evaluations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mind you, I'm probably, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real nice guy. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So <laughs> when I'm, I'm, I'm probably, probably like out of 28 people in the platoon, it was probably six uh, black people. Mm-hmm. And in, in each squad, it's probably only like one to two black black people. Mm-hmm. So the whole summer, I'm spending a whole month with these guys, running missions with them in the woods and everything like that. And we, they keep, you know, turning these pre evaluations, right? Mm-hmm. They kept putting me second to last or last in every peer evaluation. Mm. And I'm like, dang, what's going on? Like, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking down to you guys. I'm actually trying to, you know, be cool, cordial, and friends with y'all. I'm being professional with you guys. Right. But what has happened was this. They could not relate to me as a friend. Mm. They, they got a bond. They, 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 they had a bond with each other. Right. And guess who the person I had a bond with? And then, you, so they put me second to last. Guess who they put last? The only girl that was in the squad. Mm. They put the girl last, and I was second to last. Yeah. So it was, and I don't even think they. I don't even think they did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I just honestly think that that's how they, they, they subconsciously, you know, that's right. how it was. And it got to the point where it's like, no way, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna score high on these peer evaluations if y'all homeboys, right? If y'all looking out for each other, because right. y'all can relate to each other more than I can relate to y'all. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. Like, and, it's, and when we get to the barracks, and the barracks are where we stay. They doing stuff that I wouldn't even imagine on doing. For example, like this, this what they do in the barracks. This dude showing his showing his private parts mm. to everybody in the room. I'm like, bro, like, what are we doing? Right. 
like, bro, I gotta live here. And they like, yeah. oh, like, I have to live here, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you showing your property? That's something I just want to do. They thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm like, bro, you wild, bro. I'm like, oh, man, like, you wild. You feel me? Like, yeah. not trying to make a big deal out of it. And matter of fact, the last thing I'm going to say this. The homeboy got so comfortable with me being around. I had my headphones and my AirPods in one day, but they were they were off. Mm-hmm. So he in the room, they talking this and this, baze, baze. And he like, saying, he's, he's fixing to say the word, the N-word. Mm. My nigga. Fixing it. Fixing it. Mm. I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sitting there like bobbing my head. You feel me? Right. And I'm, I'm thinking. I'm saying, first of all, I'm about to get on you just for, for you even thinking that you can say that around me. Right. I'm about to get on you. Right. Point blank. Period. And for you to like to me to try and fix your lips in front of me to say that. Yeah. But it's like one, know where you are. Mm-hmm. Know where you at right now. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And and I was just like, you know what? At this point, I'm just trying to go home. Yeah. Like, I ain't trying to stay here longer than what I got to. Doing reports. What did he say? How did he say? I ain't. Tra- Look, I, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's my little, you know, experience when it comes to that. That's crazy. Um, yeah, white people get way too comfortable. And it goes to show you what they're really thinking or what they actually want to say when they feel like you're not listening. So it's like, I can never be comfortable. I can never let my guard down because I don't really know what you got going on behind the scenes. Like, like I said, you could have a MAGA hat at home. Your grandpa could have been a slave owner. Like, you just don't know. So, William, do you have any firsthand or maybe secondhand experience with our racist counterparts? Um. I think it kind of goes back to if this is the same question. I think it goes back to what Josiah was saying when he had, he was saying like he didn't really have a specific encounter, at mm-hmm. least not as of recently. Right. Um. So I kind of got to say the same thing because mm-hmm. I can't I can't as of recent. Oh, you know what? I do remember one thing. Mm, it's been a beans. while. It's been a while. I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I was in high school and I was walking home. I always took the bus home. I lived with my grandparents mm-hmm. at the time and um, I took the bus to, to and from school every day. Yeah. So I was walking home this day. I had just got off the bus and I was walking home and my grandparents lived in a nice neighborhood, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot. We're one of few black families in that neighborhood. Yeah. And there was a lady on our street who I was walking past the house and I'll never forget it because it was, it was February. It was black history month. (laughs) And I was walking past the house and I hear her say, Oh yeah. Um, cause they were talking about St. Patrick's day. They wanted to hurry up and get to March for St. Patrick's day. Uh And the next thing she said is, yeah, so we can be done with all this Martin Luther King S H I T. And I'm like, Huh? And I'm like, I feel like you said that loud enough so I could hear it. Because oh, yeah. I was right. I'm on the other side of the street, mm-hmm. but I'm right there. Right. Then, then they get in the car. They about to leave. She was driving like an explorer. Mm-hmm. So it's rear, it's rear wheel drive. So you, it's the, you know, basically the back wheels power the car. So when you parked in the driveway, she hits the gas and you see the back wheels kind of peel out. Yeah. Like she speeds out in reverse. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't like almost hit me, but it was almost like she was trying to give that message because right. it kind of scared me a little bit. I'm like, right. that wasn't necessary. Right. And when I got home, I told my grandma, I'm like, I don't even remember what I told her or how I told her. But I remember I told her, I was just like, that was, I didn't feel good about that. I think I was like 15 at the time. Yeah. So that's one thing I can't remember. I can definitely remember that. Okay. Um. Yeah, like I said, and yours, I feel like yours is a little bit more blatant because like you said, you know, she's trying to, it's like she wanted you to hear what was being said. She wanted to, mm-hmm. quote unquote, scare you, make you uncomfortable. Um, I think that, and we only have a little bit of time left, so I'll be really quick with this story and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, I remember when I was in high school and we were going on an, a black college tour 
we were on this huge bus and we're you know headed down south to go on tour of all these hbcus being from up north i had no clue what an hbcu was never heard of it didn't know it existed that's it i just thought people went to school so we get to this specific um hotel and i can't remember if it was in alabama or arkansas but we get to this hotel it's a whole bus full of black kids and so we get there and we're waiting in the lobby we get to our rooms and we're sitting there we're chilling we're excited you know what i'm saying like it's a whole week you with black people with your friends you know we having hotel parties every night at these hotels we at the guy that's over the tour had to come to each room and he said, listen, I know y'all don't really understand this and maybe you do, but ain't going to be no fun tonight. Everybody got to stay in their rooms. Doors closed. They're going to put tape over your door. So if you open their, your doors, they're going to hear you. And if you come out of your rooms, they're calling the police on us. So y'all need to keep it cool. Keep it chill. Now, I'm confusion. Because I said, I have never had anybody act in such manner ever, ever. And that was my first experience where they was just like blatantly like, it's too many of y'all in here. Where are these black kids coming from? We don't want, pretty much, we don't want you here. But since you are here, y'all stay in that room where y'all at till y'all get to y'all next destination. Oh, so okay. that was the first time where like somebody was really finna call the police on me because i was black and i'm in my head you know we're young we're 15 16 i'm thinking to myself okay i'm just here trying to have fun i'm on a black college tour it's spring break you know what i'm saying we're basically city hopping and so now from that experience like we've all come to the conclusion of just being more mindful and aware of the slick stuff you know what i'm saying and some stuff is like underlining and then other stuff is just like blatantly we don't like you you can get out and so i think that it's so important for us to have these conversations because i feel like especially as black men y'all need to talk more like josiah said black men need to have more meaningful conversations in regards to racism and everything else as well and just band together because when we're together we're stronger you you can't you can't infiltrate us if we're all connected you know what i'm saying so i think that the perspectives that you both have on the situation is important i think that it needs to be heard i think that um I think that the way that you're processing it as well is important because in the past we haven't, you know, you're just numb to it. You go on in life and that's it. Um, so I just want to thank y'all again for being on the podcast. This is not really a part two because it's not a continuation of what we was doing before, but we here though. Um, we got one minute, less than a minute. We about to get cut off subscribe to the hashtag truth challenge podcast oh y'all this my 10th episode number 10 period we live baby i was gonna do a giveaway but i don't feel like it no more because it's just kind of sad everything that's going on but i'm happy y'all on here 10th episode we doing big things big things popping little things stopping uh, and stay tuned for more episodes. Peace.